Chapter Eight of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Sir Arthur Adelon, after leaving Eda and Dudley together, hurried back as fast as he could go to the house of Mr. Clive, passing by the way the man who had brought him the note, which he still held clasped firmly in his hand. He was evidently a good deal agitated when he set out. The muscles of his face worked, his brow contracted, and muttered sentences escaped his lips. From this state he seemed to fall into deep thought. The emotions probably were not less intense, but they were more profound, and when he came near the house he stopped and leaned for a moment against the gate, murmuring, "'What can it be?' After a pause of a moment or two he rang the bell, and asked the maid who appeared where the gentleman was who had sent him that letter. The woman seemed somewhat confused, said she did not know anybody had sent him a letter, but that Mr. Clive was in the drawing-room with his daughter. Her embarrassment and that of the baronet, however, were removed almost as she spoke the last words, by a voice calling down the stairs and saying, "'Sir Arthur Adelon, will you do me the honour of walking up hither?' The baronet instantly obeyed the invitation, but it was with a very pale face, and the next instant he was in the room with Norris. The latter had withdrawn into the chamber where his conference had taken place with Clive, and he fixed a steadfast gaze on the baronet as he entered. Then, turning towards the door, he closed it and waved his visitor to a seat, taking one himself at the same time, and still keeping his bright grey eyes fixed firmly upon the baronet's face. Hitherto not a word had been spoken, and Norris remained silent for some instants. But at length he said, "'I perceive, both by your coming and your demeanour, Sir Arthur Adelon, that you have not forgotten me.' "'Oh, no, Mr. Norris,' replied the baronet, "'I remember you quite well, and am happy to see you. But is it not somewhat dangerous for you to visit England just now?' "'Not in the least, I think,' said Norris. "'I am obliged to you for your solicitude, Sir Arthur. If it had shown itself materially twelve months ago, it might have kept me out of York Castle.' "'I really do not see how I could have served you.' answered sir arthur adelon indeed i never knew that you were in york castle for three days replied norris laconically but this is irrelevant let me speak of more important affairs as your memory is so good you have probably not forgotten yet what took place eight and six years ago in regard to transactions affecting charles dudley esq since dead well sir well cried sir arthur what of that "'You inquired once,' said Norris, "'for the correspondence respecting that affair. "'I think I could give you some information concerning it.' "'Was it not burnt?' exclaimed Sir Arthur. "'You told me it was burnt.' "'Pardon me, Sir Arthur,' replied Norris. "'I never told you any such thing. "'My partner did, but he lied in this case, as in many others, "'and I, who knew little of the transaction at the time, "'found the papers after his death and have them safe in my possession there was some writing-paper lying on the table clean and unsullied but without knowing what he did sir arthur adelon took it in his hands and in two minutes it was twisted into every conceivable shape norris gazed at him with the slightest possible smile and in the end he said i am afraid sir arthur that paper will not be very serviceable 
However, we can get more. Pah! cried Sir Arthur Adelon. Let us think of serious things, Mr. Norris. Those letters must be destroyed. Do you mean to say they were all preserved? Every one, answered Norris. Nay, more. I have spoken of eight and of six years ago, but amongst the documents there are several of a much earlier period, which show that the schemes then executed had been long devising, that the purpose then accomplished had been long nourished. The motives, too, are very evident from certain passages, and I now tell you, Sir Arthur Adelon, that if I had been made aware of the facts, of the whole facts, those schemes would never have been accomplished, that purpose would have been frustrated. And he gazed sternly at the baronet, setting his teeth hard. "'My partner, Mr. Sherborne,' continued Norris, after a long pause, during which his companion uttered not a word, but remained with his eyes bent down, and his teeth gnawing his nether lip. "'My partner, Mr. Sherborne, was a great scoundrel, as you know, Sir Arthur. In fact, you knew it at the time you employed him.' "'No, sir, I did not,' exclaimed Sir Arthur, catching at the last word. "'Yes, Sir Arthur, you did,' replied Norris firmly, "'or you never would have employed him in so rascally a business.' "'He suggested to me everything that was done,' replied the baronet eagerly in consequence of a private conversation of which he made a note replied norris and of a letter still preserved so confirmatory of the memorandum that there can be no doubt of its accuracy the face of sir arthur adelon flushed he was a man of one sort of courage and he replied haughtily i think you intend to insult me sir beware of what you are doing i am quite aware answered norris slowly inclining his head neither do i intend at all to insult you sir arthur i speak truth in plain terms having learned in sorrow and adversity that such is the only right course to pursue in justice and in good faith i ought to place the whole of those papers in the hands of a gentleman nearly related to that mr dudley his son i mean it could do him no good exclaimed the baronet the thing is past and gone he ruined the dead nothing can by any farther means be recovered this mr dudley could not regain a shilling nor an acre of his father's property as you well know true replied norris there are some things in law which have no remedy as i do well know but it is right that the son should learn who ruined his father and he should have known long ago but for one circumstance which may perhaps operate still farther. "'What is that?' demanded the baronet quickly. "'I have no objection whatsoever to give a considerable sum for the possession of those papers. They can be of no use to any one but myself. Come, let us talk reasonably, Mr. Norris. Let us say a thousand pounds.' "'Money will not do here, sir,' answered the other, in a contemptuous tone. "'It had its effect upon Mr. Sherborne, who was a rascal.' but it will have no effect upon his partner who is an honest man then what in heaven's name do you want demanded sir arthur adelon to see you act up to your professions sir arthur replied norris at the election which began poor mr dudley's ruin and which i had some share in conducting on your part you professed and i readily believe entertained 
for i think that in that at least you were sincere principles of firm and devoted attachment to the cause of the people you declared that if they did but return you to parliament you would advocate all measures in favour of their rights and liberties you were more than what is called a radical you were a reformer in the true sense of the word you gloried in being descended from the old saxon race you pointed out that your name itself was but a corruption of that one of our last saxon princes and you promised to do your best to restore to the people that perfect freedom which is an inalienable inheritance of the saxon blood you called your son edgar in memory of edgar atheling and you promised in my hearing to maintain those principles at all times and under all circumstances with your voice with your hand with your heart's blood now sir arthur i call upon you to redeem that promise and if you do in the way i shall point out you shall have those papers i have kept them back from the person to whom perhaps they ought justly to have been given because i would not blacken the name of one whom i believed to be a true patriot i found excuses for you in your own mind to excuse myself my retention of them i knew you to be a man of strong passions under a calm exterior i knew that strong passions whenever they become masters are sure to become despots and i thought that you had acted to the man we have mentioned under an influence that was overpowering the influence of the strongest and most ungovernable of all the passions the thirst for revenge revenge exclaimed sir arthur who told you i was moved by revenge no one told me answered norris i knew it i might have read it in every line of those letters i might have seen it in every deed you did but there was a portion of your previous history sir arthur which i knew from my connection with that part of the country and which when once the machinations were exposed to my view afforded the key to all i assure you sir arthur adelon whether some six or seven-and-twenty years ago mr charles dudley did not carry off from your pursuit the lady on whom you had fixed your heart sir arthur adelon's usually placid face assumed the expression of a demon and no longer averting his eyes from the fixed stern gaze of norris he stared full in his face in return and slowly inclined his head he said not a word but that look and that gesture were sufficient reply they said more plainly than any words could have spoken you have divined it all you have fathomed the dark secret of my heart to the bottom well sir arthur continued norris with a softened air i can excuse strong passions for i have them myself and i know them at times to be irresistible in your case i was sure you had been thus moved i looked upon you as a man devoted to the service of your country and i thought that in a case where all other considerations should give place to the interests of my country it would be wrong to damn for ever the name of one who might do her the best and highest of services there was but one thing that made me doubt your sincerity you should not doubt it said sir arthur i am as sincerely devoted to the service of my country as ever it is your general sincerity to which i allude said the plain-spoken norris and the reason why i doubted it is this when you had effected your purpose when you had ruined an honest and good man though a norman and an aristocrat 
you did not boldly and fearlessly leave him to his fate you afforded him assistance to save a pitiful remnant of his property and affected benevolence and kindness to a man you hated i understand it all sir arthur it was not unnatural but it was insincere we have been upon good terms for many years replied the baronet who had now resumed his usual demeanour good terms repeated norris with a laugh well be it so you are now keeping up the appearance of good terms with the government which you then opposed and of which you spoke in language certainly seditious as it is called and perhaps treasonable these things have created a doubt that doubt must be removed not by words and professions not by appearances and pretences but by acts speak plainly said sir arthur adelon what is it that you want there is a meeting to be held at twelve o'clock this night in the little town of barhampton said norris where several gentlemen entertaining precisely the same sentiments which you expressed some eight years ago to the people of yorkshire are to take into consideration what decisive measures can be adopted for obtaining those objects which you then professed to seek i require that you should then join us and be one of us impossible cried sir arthur adelon with a look of consternation and astonishment would you have me attend a seditious meeting at midnight with a man who has fled from the course of justice i a magistrate for the county a bitter smile came upon the lip of his companion but he replied immediately even so i would indeed sir arthur the spirit of patriotism is not so strong in you it would seem as the spirit of revenge or you would not hesitate but this much to end all one way or the other you either come and if you do come and frankly join us without any insincerity receive the papers i have mentioned or you stay away and mr edward dudley receives them this is unfair exclaimed sir arthur adelon unfair replied norris how unfair sir i acting according to my conscience however you may be acting my only reason for withholding these letters from the person who would have the right to possess them if their suppression were not necessary to the service of my country is because i trust that you whose name and station may be an infinite advantage as the leader of the people hereafter will put yourself in that position in which no want of moral courage no vacillating hesitation can be shown or would be possible if you refuse to do so you will take from me my only motive for not giving them to him who will know how to use them rightly you will show yourself as insincere in your professions of patriotism as you were insincere in your professions of friendship and i shall then regard you with contempt and treat you without consideration there was a stern and commanding energy in his manner which crushed down as it were in the breast of sir arthur adelon the angry feelings which his impetuous words aroused he felt cowed in the presence of the bold fearless man who addressed him he remembered in former times several traits of his decision and unhesitating vehemence and he felt sure that he would do as much or more than he said at first indeed anger was predominant he gathered himself up as it were for a spring but his heart failed him and he said in a mild tone you are too fierce you are too fierce let me consider for a moment how this can be arranged 
I am as willing as any one to make sacrifices for my country's advantage. But first you take me by surprise. Next you use words and proceed in a manner which are little likely to induce me to trust to your guidance. He thought he had got an advantage, and he was proceeding, gradually resuming a tone of dignity, when Norris stopped him, saying, "'Sir Arthur Adelon, there are times and circumstances which of themselves, and in their own pressing nature, abridge all ceremonies. If your house were on fire, and you in danger of perishing by the flames, I should not wait for the punctilios of etiquette, but should wake you roughly, saying, "'Run, run, save your life and your family.' sir i tell you england is on fire and the time is come for all men to choose their part the days of weak indifference are over now is the time for decision and action but nevertheless i will not leave you any excuse but humbly entreat you to come to our meeting to-night and support with your presence and your voice and your influence those principles which you have asserted warmly on other occasions but it may be very difficult to manage said sir arthur adelon i have guests in my house whom i cannot in courtesy leave without some exceedingly good excuse i am not accustomed to go out at such hours of the night and to do so will certainly appear very suspicious especially under existing circumstances all that will be easily arranged answered norris you are a magistrate you say and may consequently be called upon at any hour on pressing occasions you do not of course communicate to your family or your guests the exact business which calls you forth or the motives for going at one hour rather than another but should anything more be wanting to smooth the way for you i will presently write you a note calling upon you to be at barhampton to-night at twelve on matters of importance i do not think he added with a sneering smile that even your confessor will venture to cross-question a gentleman of your independence upon a business with which he has nothing to do certainly not replied sir arthur adelon and i have no objection to come but i cannot bind myself to anything till i hear upon what measures your friends decide nor can i bind myself to anything then till i hear upon what you do decide rejoined norris the papers are yours whenever you act up to your professions i shall ask nothing more sir arthur i have a copy of your speech upon an occasion which you well remember i will require nothing more of you than to fulfil the pledges therein given and the moment you prove you are ready so to act i resign into your hands those letters of which others might not judge so favourably as i am inclined to judge do you promise to come i do answered sir arthur adelon in a firmer tone than he had hitherto used but with a certain degree of bitterness too yet norris there are various other thoughts and considerations of deep moment which our conversation of to-day suggests it revives in me the memories and feelings of past years you should have considered that these matters had passed away from my mind for a long time that of the plans and hopes and schemes and passions of those times some have been accomplished or gratified and have been well-nigh forgotten some from the utter hopelessness of seeing them accomplished have faded away and become more like a vision than a reality what will not a man do when he is eager and excited with the vehement impulse of fresh feelings and sharp discussions and the enthusiasm of those who surround him but take those accessories away and the purposes themselves fall into a sleep from which it requires some time and preparation to arouse them into active and energetic being again 
you should have considered this and not pressed me so eagerly without some preparation perhaps i should replied norris but sir arthur you have known me long and have known me to be a brief and abrupt man my purposes never sleep my objects never fade the one engrossing object of my country's fate and the welfare of my fellow-men is never a passing vision to my eyes but a stern reality ever present so that i am little able to comprehend the hesitations of other men sir arthur adelon while the other spoke had cast down his eyes thoughtfully as if little attending to the words of his companion but when he ceased speaking he said in an abstracted manner this dudley too he has intruded himself into my family he is now at brandon as you have doubtless heard the cold icy hand seemed to seize my heart again when i saw him i felt as if the spawn of the viper were before me and as if it were destined that the race were to survive and poison my peace even when the reptile that first stung me was crushed norris gazed at him steadfastly with his brow contracted with a steady contemplative inquiring look and then he replied i do beseech you sir arthur adelon to banish such thoughts to let the faults of the dead if faults there were rest with the dead i think you believe in a god do you not well sir there is a god who will judge him and you he is gone to receive his judgment the time will come ere long for you to receive yours in the meanwhile injure not one who has never injured you and pursue this fell and heinous vengeance no further against the son of one whom you once loved and of one i always hated answered the baronet finishing the sentence for him but do you not know norris that as the sweetest wine turns soonest to vinegar so love wronged and despised changes to the bitterest hate as for the rest i purpose pursuing no vengeance against the young man i wish he would quit my dwelling for the very feeling of being obliged to maintain a courteous and soft demeanour towards him increases the loathing with which i regard him that is all that is all i assure you i would do him no harm but i love him not nevertheless i can see that sir arthur adelon answered his companion and i see moreover a dark and sinister fire in your eyes which i observed once before when first in my presence you mentioned the name of mr dudley to my partner there were deeds followed that mention which i need not call to your mind i trust there will be none such now nay nor any attempt towards them if there be i will prevent it i am not so good a lawyer indeed i know but little of the trade i am not so good a lawyer as mr sherborne but i am a bolder more resolute and more honest man however i shall see you to-night is it not so undoubtedly answered sir arthur adelon but you have not yet told me where i shall find you in barhampton you had better go to the little inn the rose i think it is called replied norris there is but one there some one shall come to lead you to us for we are upon our guard sir arthur and resolute neither to be taken unawares as some men have been nor to act rashly and bring down destruction on our own heads as those thoughtless weak and poor-spirited men did in yorkshire i am very happy to hear it said the baronet in a tone of sincerity i will be there somewhat before twelve till then farewell and shaking norris by the hand with every sort of apparent cordiality he left him and returned to brandon 
but when he had re-entered the house he retired for some time to the library not to consider his future conduct not to review the past it was in truth that the conversation of that morning had aroused within him feelings dark bitter and deadly which had slept for years and he felt he could not see mr dudley without calming himself lest sensations should appear which he wished studiously to conceal from every eye End of chapter 8